Praise the Lord. This is Brother Julius Adeomi again. We are going through the book of Colossians. And we are in the end of chapter 3 of the book of Colossians. Apostle Paul is now giving exhortation to believers. To the wives, how they should submit to the husbands. To the husbands, how they should love their wives. To the children, how they should obey their parents. To the fathers, as including the mothers, how they should not provoke their children to anger so that they are not discouraged. To the servants, that include employees. You are an employee of somebody, you are serving that boss. Obey in all things your masters, not with eye service as men please, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And he's now saying, do everything you are doing heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. There have been a sermon on that way I talk about how these men of old that received promotion in what they were, they were doing, People like Daniel in the book of Daniel, he was serving the king in those days and he was promoted by God. He said, through the king, of course. But God is the one that promotes people because the Bible said promotion comes not from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. Promotion comes from God. He said, Well, yeah, I need promotion in my place of work. God is who you should be telling and praying to. And doing your job as doing unto the Lord, God will make them recognize your faithfulness and promote you. If you are doing as unto Lord, that's what Apostle Paul is saying in verse 23 there. Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance. For ye serve the Lord Christ. We are serving the Lord in everything we do. Are you a driver? Driving some big organs? You are serving the Lord, not that organ. So then serve the Lord faithfully with conscience of fearing God. See? Are you an, an employee? in a place, a secretary, you are serving the Lord, not your manager. Then do it right as in the fear of God. Uh, my manager says, I should come and commit adultery. You refuse it because it's, that's contrary to the will of God. We say, well, they are going to fire me. Let them fire you. God will defend you. God will promote you in some other place. Say, but that is when you are saying you are serving the Lord. Say, you say we are to, you do the work of the king or you obey the king or the ruler or the boss according to the law of God, according to your Covenant with God. God has said you are to live right and not to sin. So if your boss is trying to make you sin, you will say, no, I can't do that, boss. God forbid it. That is exactly what happened in the days of Joseph in Egypt. The wife of his boss, which will be like his, his boss then also, because the wife of this general, that the Potiphar, that he was serving as a slave to Potiphar, the wife of Potiphar will be like the boss to him too. Whether it's a young woman or not, some matter, she is still a boss. But that woman said, come and sleep with me in my adultery. He said, God forbid. Well, he landed him in jail, yeah? But that's what we are saying. But God was with Joseph in Egypt. So that's what we are saying. If your boss, no matter who the boss is, asks you to come and sin, commit sin, you reject it and say, God forbid, I I'm serving God here. I'm not serving just you. I'm serving God Almighty and I fear God and I'm not going to do this sin. So no matter what the sin is, or the, say, the sin is bribery. Your boss says you have to collect bribes so that you can pass it to him. He's the chief of police. You say, sir, I cannot take bribe. Neither can I give bribe. I'm serving God. I'm not serving the chief of police. And that is what the Bible says. When you are fearing God and you are doing God, you say, they are going to fire you. Yes, they might fire you. But you trust God. God will work it out for you. You will be surprised. So that is the fear of God that makes all these men within the Bible. Daniel was promoted above all the other people because he feared God. When he comes to the point where he says, you must not pray. If you pray, you are going to be thrown into the lion's den. He said, I still fear my God. I'm going to pray because that's my God's command. 
They told him to rely on them, all right, by the kings of the world, but God was there to deliver him. We read all those, so it looked like they are, they are, these men are angels. No, they are human beings like us. They just made up their mind to stand firm and to fear God and to follow God. No matter what the rulers they are serving says, no matter what the boss says, that's what we are saying. You are serving the Lord and God is watching. God is not far away. God is watching. He's in you if you are Christian. And if you are not a Christian, he's still around to see what you are doing. If you fear God, you do what God says and then God will defend you. He said, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he has done, and there is no respect of persons. Chapter 4 is where we are going right now in Colossians chapter 4. That was the last chapter. Now it's the continuation of exhortation that Apostle Paul was giving to every individual when he said the wife, to the husband, to the children, to the fathers, to the servants. Now it's going to master. That means if you are a boss, now because we have been talking to employees or the ones that are serving somebody else. Now it's going to talk to the masters. Are you the boss of somebody? Listen to this. Or you are the chief of police? Listen to this. Or you are just a manager in your office that have some people working for you? Listen to this. Or you are just uh, a self-employed somebody, but you have people that are working for you. <laughs> it's addressing you and say, masters, that include all those people that have servants or slaves or even just maids in your house that are taking care of your children when you go to work. You have to treat them right. Listen to this. Say, masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. You see now? So everybody is responsible before God. Everybody, even you that are servants, you that are slaves, you that think you are having nothing, but you are still responsible, you are to report, you are reporting to God. So whatever is your position, God can promote you in that position only if you are fearing Him. So in order you are uh, your husband, love your wife. When you are your wife, submit to your husband. Parents, make sure you are, you are not discouraging your children. Servants, make sure you are serving your masters, with the fear of God, you are serving the Lord, not your master. You are serving the Lord anything you do. Masters, make sure you don't mistreat all those people that are working for you or serving you. Because you also have a master in heaven. There's no respect of person with him. Verse 2 of Colossians chapter 4. Continue in prayer. That's our job, is to be prayerful. And watch in the same. That is, watching in prayer. How do you watch in prayer? When you are praying and you listen to God, God can tell you some things. Of course, coming to happen. That's how you are watching. You are command, you are excited that when you pray after you present your case, before you just jump up and go, listen, just keep quiet before God and listen in your heart, not in your mind, on the head, in your heart, in your belly. God can talk to you from the heart and He impress something to your heart that can guide your life. That's why He says you watch in, in prayer with thanksgiving. Make sure you are always thankful to God. Verse 3. With all praying also for us, I say you also you could be praying for all these ministers of the gospel. That's how that's some of the job you can be doing for the Lord. Pray for all the ministers of the gospel that God will open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds. Apostle Paul is saying that you will pray for him. Verse 4 Say that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Now he's going to continue his exhortation. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. Now remember that you say when you are when you are dealing with human beings, you know, there are some people that are Christians like yourself, they may be from the same church you are, or they are not from the same church, but they are Christians. You know that from the way they are behaving. Okay? Then you know you have to be treating them 
like you are treating, treating your brothers and sisters in Christ. Now he also said, those that are not even Christians that are without me, they are outside the church, they are not believers. So you expect, you know what to expect from them. If they are serving the devil, they will be full of rage, they will be full of anger, they may be full of evil. Many evil things can come from them. Say so them, be, be wise when you are dealing with them. That's what he meant by work in wisdom. Toward them that are without. So you know that if you are dealing with somebody that is not a, a believer, there are many evil things that can come from them. So that's why he's saying be wise and know how to undo things like that. Say redeeming the time. Prayer fully. Verse 6. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Now that is talking about how you speak. Because every word that everybody just can say every I do word a man speaks shall he shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. That's very important. So let our mouth be washed by the washing of water by the word. And when you also look at some scriptures, Apostle, uh, the Proverbs said in a place, Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1 said, A soft answer turneth away wrath. But grievous words start up anger. That teaches us on how to talk, not to just be talking in anger, but to talk with, and it's saying here that our speech will be with grace. What do you mean by grace? Gracious words. We should, that takes an effort, but you have to practice it. Practice it and get better and better. That is gracious words to pay other people. Whether in response to what they do or in response to what they say, even if they are angry at us, a soft answer. We turn away their wrath. Even if we are just complimenting them, let it be gracious words. That is, in that case, we should be restrict, restrict ourselves from talking bad about people, whether in their presence or behind them. It's very important. The Bible says that we should speak evil of no man. Speak evil of no man. Very important that we should remember that. Now, don't speak evil of any man. Look at that in the book of Titus, chapter 3. That we should speak evil of no man. That also means that we should be careful of what we say to one another in the building, among husband and wife also. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. That is, let it be sweet words with one another, even between believers and believers. Let it be sweet words. Words that will encourage the person, not words that tear the people down one day they want to fight. No, words that will calm them down and say, well, hope in the Lord, God will take care of you. Titus chapter 3, verse 2 said, To speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. That's what Apostle Paul was exhorting in the book of Titus. So when he said it here in chapter in, to the Colossians, let your speech be always with grace, gracious words. Sissing with us, are sweet words to one another, to other people. That you may know how you ought to answer every man. I know how to answer people. When they are angry at you, talk softly. A soft answer will turn away. When you are just conversing, let it be gentle words and kind words. That will not cause rage. That's what he's saying here. Verse 7. Now he's going to be talking on private things on people that are with him. All my states shall take a cause to declare unto you, who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. So he's going to talk, he's going to be greeting them right now from the people that are around about him. Whom I say I have sent unto you for the same purpose that ye may know your estate and comfort your house. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. I mean, this Onesimus is also from Colossae. So they shall make known unto you all things which are done here. 
Uh, at this tacos, my fellow prisoners saluted you. Now, our passport is going to be saluting them, and the people that are with him are saluting them because when they write letters, it's like we are right. Um, our passport wrote this, but now all the believers with him that are there when they are writing letters is going to be saluting them. Help me greet them also. Say hello for, for, to them for me. Say hello to them for me. That's really what he is saying in this letter. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluted you. And Marcus, sister's son to Barnabas. That is, the, that is the one that is describing Marcus. That's Mark, John Mark, that wrote the book of Mark. The Bible said he was the one that Barnabas said you follow them in the book of Acts of Apostles. And he said the sister's son is actually it's a, a nephew of Barnabas. And he said, touching whom you receive commandments, if you come, if you come unto you, receive him. That is, Mark may come by receive him as one of us verse 11 and jesus is actually because joshua there are many other people bear that name in those days who is one of you he said so joshua which is called justice who are of the circumcision these only are my fellow Workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. See, the people that are around him, that they are all fellowshipping together and they also minister together, is mentioning them one by one. Some are even among the circumcision, means they believe in that the Jewish Gentiles, they still didn't separate themselves from one another, they still fellowship together. It's just like saying the Baptists fellowshipping with the Pentecostal, but they may not believe in the Holy Ghost. The way these other people believe, but they still fellowship one another. That is what he will say. That even this Justus is one of the of the circumcision, but he still fellowship with them. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluted you. Epaphras was right there when he was writing this letter, and Epaphras was one that con that formed the, that they converted these people in Colossians, according to chapter one that he mentioned. And he says he's always laboring fervently for you in prayers. That ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God, because a past perhaps have stayed, a perhaps will have stayed with Paul for several days, for weeks, who knows. And when they go in prayer, a perhaps will be stumped, stumped to pray. You could notice how a perhaps was praying fervently for the believers in Colossians that they should stay perfect. That's why he's saying he labored fervently for you guys, because he, he is taking the responsibility to keep those people in Christ by prayer, even when he was not there. Verse 13. He said, For I bear him record that he has a great zeal for you and them that are in Laodicea and them in Erapolis. So we can now tell that very likely Epaphras was the one that formed the, that started the church in Laodicea and in Erapolis and also in Colossae, like he said in chapter 1. He said he has a great zeal for all these people that he converted. He always prayed for them fervently anytime they are praying. And Apostle Paul noted that. As a papa, when he when he was his time to pray, he prayed fervently for all these churches that he formed, that they should stay. He said he prayed that they should be complete and perfect and stand complete in Christ. So that's a good way to also pray for other believers around us. Verse 14. Say, look, now he's talking about Luke who wrote the book of Luke. And uh, it was Luke also that wrote the book of after the apostles. He said, Look, the beloved physician. And Demas greet you. Salute the brethren which are in Laodicea and Nymphas and the church which is in his house. So he knew about the about Laodicean church. He also heard about Nymphas. 
that he has a group in his own house, in his own, he has in his own house, he has a, a group in his house. And he heard about that because most of them have never met neighbors. But a pamphlet that was telling him about this church that he formed, must have mentioned that there's another brother who actually have a, maybe live very far away, he didn't come to join the, the group in Laodicea, but he has a own group in, a, in his own house in Laodicea, he said, well, and he knew his name, his name was the way, and salute him also. You can see one another when they meet in the streets. And when this epistle is read among you, that's verse 16, cause that it be read also in the church of the Laodiceans. You see now, Apostle Paul must have written another epistle to the Laodiceans. But you see, when even, if, even if you are writing two letters, one to this group, one to that group, and you write it this, different, separately, you most likely will be putting some words in this one that is not in the other one. Unless you just make a photocopy. Even right now, if I am to write a letter to the fellowship for the brethren in social place, and I then sit down to write another letter to the brethren in the other place, it is very easy for me to put some new words here that is not in the other one. Unless I am just making a photocopy of what I wrote over there and send it to them also. That's what Apostle Paul said. They are not making photocopies. He must have written some new letters. I say, well, make sure you read the one that we sent to the Laodiceans also because there will be some nudges that we put in that one that we didn't remember to put in this one. And that's why he said, when this epistle is read among you, cause it that it be read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. I mean, exchange the letters and read it, because the letter is not a personal letter, it's just to believers, how we should conduct ourselves. It's not a letter that, uh, that's the only thing that's happening in Laodicea, don't pass it to the other church. If it's addressing a particular sin in that particular church, the mother will not be telling them to pass to the other people. But because he's just exhorting them on how to live their life, it's good for everybody. So that's why I say exchange it, and you also read the epistle, and sometimes you put some words here that is not in the other one. Verse 17 says, And say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. So now Apostle Paul knew about another brother called Archippus. How did he know? It could be a paraphrase to him that there are many other people that God has been moving upon them that the, this Archippus Palace has received a prophecy that he has a ministry, he's going to be a teacher, or he's going to be this. And Apostle Paul takes note of it and says, well, Say to him that he should take it to the ministry which God has, he has received in the Lord, that he fulfill it. So Apostle does not take life as well. I'm not the one that prophesied. If somebody has prophesied, I don't believe that. I don't know. Well, if you believe God has prophesied, God, the Holy Ghost is one. If Holy Ghost prophesied there in uh, Colossae, the Holy Ghost meant it when, when you're in Laodicea. And whatever you prophesy in Colossae to a particular person is still valid, whether he's whether whether in Laodicea or in Rome. So Apostle says, if Holy Ghost prophesied it, you believe it. And he tells that Archippus, take it to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord. And thou fulfill it. Because he didn't say he was the one that told the ministry, told the man to become a minister. So they must have reported that that brother has started a ministry that the Holy Ghost prophesied to him, or that the signs that the Holy Ghost is moving upon him to be like this. Because sometimes people note it. If you are in the midst of fellowship, you see a particular brother is beginning to move in this area of being a teacher. That is, somehow, when he begins to stand up and teach in the congregation, so the, the flow of the world is just so sweet that people are getting edified by it. The pastor can recognize it and say, yes, the Lord is moving upon his brother by the Holy Ghost as a name. He can present the word of God better than many of us say. 
and that means he has a ministry. Or maybe when they all go for ministry, this brother just was able to explain salvation to the people that are listening that you almost become like the, the main speaker in the evangelism. Say, well, God is making this brother an evangelist. Or you go to another place, this brother is the one that just lay hand upon people. Anytime he lay upon people, they get away. God is making this minister to have a gift of healing. So that is how they can easily report it. When a pastor came, you could be telling about what's going on in his church in, in Colossae, what's going on in the church that he has founded in Laodicea, that there's a brother so and so that we, I can sense from the Holy Ghost that he has the gift of this and God is moving on him to be this. Or another brother so and so, he has this gift of that and God is moving on him to be an evangelist. The way he presented the word of God, the way he converted somebody, the way he was able to teach it, that is how Apostle Paul knows about Archippus or Nymphas. He may, have not, he may not have met them, but from this report, he could send that the Holy Ghost, right there, Holy Ghost. And it's encouraging them, like, make sure you take it to your ministry, which God has given to you, and fulfill it. And to Archippus or Nymphas, so you say, you have a church in your, in your house, greet him. So that is how the church in that generation were one. The church, the body of Christ is one. Whether they were in Colossae, or in their house, like Nymphas, or they are in Laodicea, or they are in this, they are all one. They love one another, and they are fellowship with one another by letters. Anytime they go, they say, where are the brethren over here? Or they are in that place, they go and meet there with them. If somebody comes to town, and you are a believer, and you say, well, gee, I'm looking for, where are the brethren? The brethren are always one, you know, like now, we have, we have so many denominations. Of course, people still recognize their own denomination. If you go to a city and you just move there for a vacation, you want to go to a church. Yeah, if you are Baptist, perhaps you want to go to, you want to look for a Baptist church. There's nothing wrong with that. You are people of like-minded. That's why you go to a Baptist church. We are used to that fellowship. Some people are the Pentecostal. They look for a Pentecostal church to go to. As long as that's where you are being edified. Or people that are evangelical, charismatic, or full gospel, they look for a full gospel church that is nearby where they visit to go to. But in the, when the church started, it's... A whole city may only have one fellowship. Uh, they, they all call themselves believers. So they don't give title of Baptist, Pentecostal, Pentecostal, this and that in those generations. They're just believers, Christians. So then you say, well, you say, where are the Christians? Oh, they meet in this man's house over there. And then the, fellowship, the brother can go and join them in that house. It's just the brother. Or they meet in that little school over there. And they go and join them. And that's how they started. But now we have so many names given to all those churches. The name does not matter as long as you are following Christ. Wholeheartedly. As long as you believe the group are following the peace of the word of God. What title you give to your fellowship or gathering does not really matter. But you must walk in the line of the gospel of the gospel. So Christ is accepting everyone that has been born again. Everyone that are following his precepts. So that's why it's in the book of Revelation chapter 3. He says, I stand at the door and knock. If any man individually hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and eat with me. So God is accepting everyone that will come to him and is asking you to open the door of your heart, no matter what denominational group you are fellowshipping with. As long as you are following Christ and you are born again, but you fellowship one with another, like Apostle Paul said, Say, do not forsake the assembly of yourself together because you should be exhorting one another because as you see this day approaching, you need to be under exhortation so that you don't forget. You don't be, so that lest you forget the precepts of God. We are to iron sharpens iron. Iron sharpens iron. So when you look at the book of Revelation chapter 3, 
The Lord say, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and open the door, that's chapter 3, verse 20. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. So it's an individual thing, but individual make a congregation also. So that's where we fellowship with like-minded people. Like-minded people. That's why people we don't condemn people going to a particular group. That is where you have been fellowshipping. As long as the word of God is being taught and you are building yourself up in the, your most holy faith. Now verse 18 is the last verse of the book of Colossians chapter 4. Apostle Paul said, The salvation of by the hand of me, Paul. Remember my bonds, grace be with you. Now why did he write that? It's more or less reminding them that if you remember, he's in bondage, he's, he's a prisoner. By the time he was writing this, he was already arrested by the Roman Empire and waiting for the, for the day of uh, sentencing by the emperor. So, but he's still doing his ministry by writing letters and exhorting people and so on. So that is what, and he's saying, remember my boss more or less, like, if they remember him, they will send the offering to help him. Because then somebody that couldn't freely go out, most likely won't be able to do much of his job that brings income. So he was saying, remember my bonds. That will make them to, if they think about it, they say, well, he's more or less saying he needs some financial support and they can send him donation from their gathering and offering. It's not really spelling it out, but if they read between the lines, they will know that he will, he will need some funding since he's a prisoner, but not yet sentenced, but he was allowed to move in the city. But not to not to get out of the city until he, until the day of standing in court, and that's why I call it "Remember My Bonds." Like Grace Spirit is how he ended it. So we are I admonished to support the work of the Lord, support the ministry of God financially, and that's how we are also making ourselves officers in the kingdom. Because those who are supporting Christ, they will become officers. He said, "My reward is with me." To give to every man according as their work shall be. Let me read that Bible verse that the Lord Jesus Christ spoke to us in the book of Revelation, chapter 22. Chapter 22 of the book of Revelation, chapter 22, verse 12. And the Bible says, And behold, this is the Lord Jesus Christ talking, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. It's a reward, remember? It's a reward. You reward those that have been working for you. See, my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. You see, the reward is for the work that you are doing. That is not what is going to save you. The work is not what is going to save you. You are already saved to even be in his presence to receive a reward. It's like being in a school. You know, I remember when we were in the grade school, in the days when we were in primary school, there will be end of the year, we are all students, so we are all students of that school. So to be a student, you have to be enrolled also. So the same way to be a member of the kingdom, you enroll in the kingdom of God by being born again. But there will be a day when there will be end of the end of the year presentation of awards to students. And they will call sometimes they call the parents into the hall, main hall, and all the students from the first grade to the sixth grade in that generation will be in the main hall with the parents. And then they will give special awards to the first in the class, the second in the class, the third in the class for every grade 
or they will say the one that has the best in this athletics or the one that has this best in this uh, in something and they will re receive the award special award like that and people will be praising those people like that the first second third in the class how would you like to be one of those that are being honored like that that is what god in men when he say my reward is with me to give to everyone according as his work shall be that is not what makes you a student in that thing. You are a student in, in a grade school, but to get that reward or award, you must qualify for that among the students. How do you qualify? You are the best in this, or you are the best in that, or you are the second best in this. And that's what they are awarding in the days when we were in the days when we are doing the the, the grade school awards. And Christ also said he's coming with rewards for them that are working for him. And remember that he said, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and last. And I pray that the Lord will burn this in your heart so that you also will serve him with, for, with all of your heart for that, uh, for that for those rewards. And you serve the Lord even with your own funding. Serve him with all you have, even with your money. Support, sponsoring his work. God bless you.